this morning, we're going to continue our series in Faith Life, uh, called Faith Life, and it's in Hebrews chapter 11 is, is where we're in the middle of, and uh, I'm going to start, start by recognizing somebody real quick, um, because in chapter 12, where we started this series, we looked at this truth at the beginning of chapter 12 that the writer of Romans wrote to the Roman church and said, hey, when you're struggling to run the race that's set before you, that is a race based on faith, like you're running life based on faith in Jesus, there's a cloud of witnesses cheering you on, basically, surrounding you. And that means people who have gone before you and can testify to the goodness of living the faith life. They can say, it was worth it. We did it, and it was worth it. So we've gone back now to Hebrews 11, where we're going to walk through that cloud of witnesses. Uh, and, and today we're going to look at three. We're going to look at Abel, Enoch, and Noah and say, if they walked into church today, I mean, we'd all run out the back probably. <laughs> But if they walked into church today, what would they say? What would they say? What would they tell us about the faith life and why it's important? But I just want to share this real quick story. I didn't do this in the early service, but I want to do it right now. Uh, we got a, a special uh, a guest here with us that's here every Sunday morning, second service. You probably know him if you have kids as the sucker man. All right. And so, so this is Gene. And I was just thinking... Uh, we were standing back here, and uh, he said, hey, I want to show you something I made. Um, and, and he said, "He said, look at this. It's the first thing I ever made, and it's a bracelet. You, you can see it there. He's got it in his pocket over here. Uh, he said, I made this in 1945. I could stop there. All right. I made this in 1945 on my way back from Manila, the Philippines, on the boat. It's all, it's, Philippi, it's, uh, it's Filipino coins that he made a bracelet off of. And I, I just want to start this sermon by us being encouraged to see that there are people. Yes, we're going to talk about Old Testament people who lived and are gone. There are elders around us that have lived lives we totally forget and we don't appreciate and we don't communicate with and we don't allow them to pour wisdom. Like, who was, who was coming back from the Philippines in the 40s? Okay? This is an incredible story. So you should go find Gene and talk to him is what I'm saying. All right, how cool is that story? Give him a hand. And if you want to see the bracelet... He would, love to, he would love to show it to you. Um, but we just love Gene and so thankful uh, for his faithfulness to the church. He's 96, 5, 95. I don't want to make him any older than he is, you know, when you get to there. Uh, he also said, I was supposed to go to North Carolina this morning, but I, it was raining a little bit, so I came here. Don't you want to be doing that when you're 95? <laughs> That's incredible. All right, so... Let's get into the word today, faith life, and we're going to talk about Abel, Enoch, and Noah, three cool characters from the Old Testament. They've all got cool stories, and we're just going to take a minute and say, what do they mean? What, if they could speak to us today, what would they say? I want you to understand this truth that the faith life is really the only life. Anything outside of it, you're just spinning wheels. Billy Graham said, life without God is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point. Like, if you've not given your life to Christ and you're not living with God, what you deal with every day is this stirring inside of you because the Bible says he placed eternity in our hearts, this hunger to know where do we come from, where we're going to be, what happens after we die, 
What's the purpose of life? Like all these questions that outside of some solid truth we can all lean on, it's like, I mean, just pick what you want. But what we find is without the faith life, anything else is really not living at all. So let's look at Abel, Enoch, and Noah. What do they have to say? It was by faith, this is Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 4. It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel was long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. So by faith, Abel brought a more acceptable offering. I'm not going to go back into Genesis and share a story. I just want you to know that Cain and Abel, they're brothers. Who knows who their mom and dad was? we got some church people here. Adam and Eve. That's it. Got it. You get a star. Adam and Eve was their mom and dad. So Cain and Abel, the brothers, one tended, uh, there was like a farmer that tended um, like uh, agriculture and, and grew stuff, and then one tended animals. And it says they both brought this sacrifice to God, and for some reason God accepted one and did not the other. And he said, I, I see that Abel came. Uh, and his offering showed him a righteous man. And, and, and it doesn't come right out and say this, but most scholars believe, and, and we know throughout the Bible, that God looks after the heart, not after what you do, okay? Not on the outside. And so what happened with Abel, what we find is that God cares way more about what you believe than what you do. God cares way more about what you believe than what you do. He also cares way more about why you do what you do than just doing it. And so this morning I talked about that a little bit in the first service. And, and uh, the reality is that we can do some things for the wrong reasons. Do good things. And, and so the, the reality is like you could come in and give $5, somebody with the right heart, and it's the last $5, and you give that, and you can't wait to give it, and you're believing in what God's going to do with it, and it is a joy to give your last $5. And God appreciates that way more than somebody that has uh, $50,000 in the bank that comes in and gives five hundred dollars and is leaving saying, I really regret. I could have used that five hundred dollars for, you know, whatever, a new, I don't know, a new iPhone, whatever. Like you leave regret like that. God cares about your heart, not about what you do. And so there's a, there's a, there's a scary part of this is, is that obedience is a good thing, like doing the right things. But it, it won't ever get you to heaven. Ever. Going to church will not get you to heaven. Giving on Sunday mornings will not get you to heaven. Obedience is a good thing, but our feeble attempts at being good enough always fall short. And it won't get you to heaven. Yet sometimes we get in the mindset and we think we're safe and we're doing all the things. We're checking boxes, making the list, and, and I'm as churchy as you get. I like it's perfect, you think. You see, but Cain's was a charade. It was kind of like this. Um, I got two guitars here. Any guitar players? Somebody knows what this is. Anybody know what this is? What kind of guitar? Can you tell by looking at it? It's a Telecaster. Somebody knows the Tele. This is a Fender Telecaster. All right. This is Brad Paisley's guitar of choice. All right, it's a Telecaster. It's usually a country picking guitar. This is 
I can't remember which model this is. There's all kinds of different ones. It's a Nashville Telly. That's it. Nashville Telly. Uh, and, and so who could tell me what this is? It's a Telly, right? Same headstock, same body. Like the neck looks the same. But the first person that said Telecaster, if you came up here and you look close, like to the untrained eye, those both, oh, it's different color Telly. It's just a black Telly. And so, you know, I, got, I picked this up at the guitar store several months ago because I thought it's interesting because that logo looks like they printed it on an HP desk jet. <laughs> this did not come from the factory. Okay? And so for the untrained eye, I could sell you a telly and you think that's a telly. And so you could trick everybody in your family, everybody in your neighborhood, everybody in your church, everybody in your community and be bringing something that on the surface, like around you, people looking at you and say, man, you're a telly. You're a Christian. You're such a good guy. You're such a good girl. But see, God sees way deeper than that. So you have to ask yourself the question, why am I here? Why am I here at church? Why do I give? Why do I hold the door for somebody? Why, why am I sacrificing what I do? Is it, is it selfish? Is it prideful? And so this morning I ask, who's here just because your mom wants you to be here? Like Sometimes you just go to church because your parents have nagged you so much, you just go. And we had one boy like, me? That's me. I'm just here to make mom happy. Some of you might be here to make your spouse happy. Like they've gone all in and their faith in Jesus is so strong and they're going and you're like, I'll just go with you. Unfortunately, that's not enough. Because God's looking at your heart. Now, now, good things can happen once you get here. You can be exposed to the gospel, but just being here isn't enough. So you have to ask yourself, I ask you this morning, why are you here? The beautiful thing is faith in Jesus fixes your why. It fixes your motivation. The Holy Spirit comes inside. Like, you can't change it. Like, you can't decide, oh, I want to go to church for Jesus. Like, you got, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, all of a sudden you go to church because you love other Christians. And, like, that's the time we get together and worship and celebrate God and everything he's done for me. And like, I want to be there just to serve and worship him. It changes your motivation. I think Abel would say uh, faith in Jesus fixes your why. I think that's what he'd tell us. Like, if you're struggling, struggling with your motivation, faith in Jesus fixes you. You know what? I, somebody told me, I've had, I've had this happen a couple times. One, literally somebody said, I go to church to get new clients. <laughs> well, that was this. Why, why I'm going to go. So more people will come to my business. So that's an interesting motivation. Right, so you look around this room, you don't know why your neighbor's here. God knows why you're here, and he cares deeply about why you're here. We got Enoch. What would Enoch say? What would he say to us? This is one of the coolest guys 
Uh, I say this about whoever I'm preaching about at the time. They're always my favorite, and they're the coolest. But Enoch, if you go back into the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 5, there's like this long, all these verses about these, these people that they, they lived so long, and then they had a son, and then they lived so long, and they died. And, and so guess who Enoch's dad was? We've got to start there. Jared, you didn't know I was in the Bible. That name is in the Bible. I was actually Enoch's dad. I don't know what I did besides that, but I was Enoch's dad. Enoch's son was Methuselah. Anybody heard of Methuselah? Older than Methuselah? So you go through this passage and you read these, these, these stories, and, and Jared lived 960-some years, and he died. And so-and-so lived 800-some years, and he died. And, and Methuselah lived 969 years, and he died. And then, and then it says, and Enoch lived 365 years, and he disappeared. What? I mean, that's weird. He disappeared? Like, where'd he go? What happened? And so you can go back and read that passage here. It says, it was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. For before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. And it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. If you go back in Genesis, you find that Enoch walked with God. That's such a personal thing. And I mean, I would, would someone describe you as someone who pleases God and walks with God? That's what was said about Enoch. And because he was so close, he did something you can't do without faith. He lived with expectation. All right? Some of us live with hope. Some of us live with hopelessness. Some of us live as like, if I can just get through today, if I can make it to Friday. But, but Enoch lived, he was so close to God, he knew God had everything under control. He lived every day with expectation that he rewards those who diligently seek him. There was one author, a guy named Oliver Green, he wrote this about Enoch. He said, it's been said that Enoch was walking with God one day, and they walked and talked so long in such sweet fellowship that near nightfall, God said to Enoch, we're closer to my house than yours. Why don't you just go home with me? Man, wouldn't you like to be that close to God. You see, when you get close to God, you can live with expectation. I think Enoch would say, listen, you get close with God, you focus on your spiritual life and not the physical life, and you'll get so close to God, you just don't care to do anything he calls you into, and you believe he can do whatever he says, and you just live with hopeful expectation every single day that God's given you a purpose and you're right in the middle of it. I think that's what he'd say. What's cool about this is he doesn't say it's difficult to please God without faith. He didn't say it's kind of hard, but you can do it. He said it's impossible. All right, so what, what this means is he did not say it's difficult to please God while cussing. It is difficult to please God without having perfect attendance in Sunday school and church. He did not say it's impossible uh, to please God without perfectly creased khakis. 
It is not, he did not say it is impossible uh, uh, for you to please God without a perfect marriage. It is impossible for you to please God without, without perfect children that never mess up and get out of line. It is, he did not say that. Actually, what, what he's basically saying, it is possible to have perfectly creased khakis, to have perfect Sunday school attendance, to have the perfect marriage. Nobody's got it. Don't lie. Have perfect children. Everybody knows you don't have perfect children. You're pretending like you do. You don't. It's impossible to line all that up and not please God. Those who come to him and believe he exists, not those who fall into religion. Those who come to him and believe he exists. The only way to please God is to believe with all your heart that he is who he promised he is. This is what changes your life. This is what changes your heart to desire to be closer and to live better and do things. Don't get it backward and try to do all this to please God. You'll never do it. You'll never do it. So Enoch just went on home. Man, that'd be fun. Like, I'd love to just disappear right now. He'd be like, where'd he go? He's like, I don't know. Jerry lived 38 years and he disappeared. <laughs> that's it. That's all we know. Noah. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. See, God told Noah to build an arky arky. Somebody's been to VBS or Sunday school at some point in your life, haven't you? Heard that song? So he tells Noah to build this big boat because it's going to flood. It's going to rain. And like we know what a flood is. You've probably had water in your own home or a neighbor in your neighborhood or your community. Like You say it's going to flood. Like, all right, I know what that means. When I get the alert on my phone, it's going to flood. That means water. Rain's going to come down. Water's going to come up. Totally foreign concept to Noah and his entire community, his family, that time, nobody knew what that meant. Like, I could make up a word right now, and that would, you say, what's that mean? It's like, I don't know, that's just a word. <laughs> that's how Noah, this is what it meant to Noah, but, Noah, but God told him to do something, he did it. And, and so what the faith life allows you to do is what happened is Noah was crazy, right? Like, I love it when, when our church... There have been people say that our church is crazy. I think Noah, if he walked up on the stage, he said, don't be afraid to be crazy. Don't be afraid to have critics. Because you see, when you step out and you follow God, you will have friends, you will have family members, you will have coworkers and say, what is all this Jesus stuff anyway? What is it? You really believe that? You really going to follow that? You, really, you think you can be that? And the answer is, no, I can never be it. Jesus did it for me. And I believe he's who he said he is. And I've put my faith in him. My life may not be perfect. It'll never be perfect. But I'm in Jesus Christ, and so I'm going to heaven. <laughs> I just share this every Sunday. It's so powerful. The, the thief on the cross when he got to heaven, they asked me, how'd you get here? And he just simply says, the man on the middle cross said I could come. 
Like that's all it takes is to put your faith and trust in Jesus. So what would Noah say? He'd say, be faith crazy. To ignore the critics. I've I got to be honest with you. I'm not innocent of this. Of scared of critics. Of being embarrassed of my faith. Early on, I hadn't been preaching long, and I was, uh, and I was getting into, uh, like, God had taken my career in a different way, and I was working at the Chamber of Commerce, and I became the president of the Chamber of Commerce. Like, God just messed my life up totally. I don't know what happened. I did not belong in any of that stuff, but for a decade, he took me through crazy leadership positions, uh, and that, that's my story. There was a time early on, I just I, I started preaching and I joined the Rotary Club. And when you join the Rotary Club, you've got to go up and you've got to give this speech and say, you've got to tell about yourself and who you are and where you went to school and what you did and all this stuff. And so I got up to give that speech and I did it and I took some notes before. And I was embarrassed to tell the group that I was a preacher. A preacher? All right, can I be honest with you for a minute? If you think you're living and walking a life different than I'm walking, you're not. Like, I was embarrassed to say it. Like, I don't even know if I told Beth that day that I went and didn't say it. Like, I carried that to bed with me. Like, God, like, I felt like Peter. Like, what have I done? I'm waiting for the rooster to crow. But when, you get, when God gets a hold of your heart, and so over the last 15 years, he takes my life in this way until a year and a half ago. Like he, he, you know what I love? The, the verse that Paul says, I could have been the Jew of Jews. I could have been the Pharisee of Pharisees. Like I had the best training, the best education. I could have been everything, and it all became garbage to me. And I tell you, God just changed my life and grew in my heart to a point a year and a half ago. It all became garbage to me. That I could leave my job and say, it's because I'm a preacher. <laughs> Do you know what a time that was for me? Just like, thank you, Jesus, for not leaving me and forgetting me. And I know he was just like, Jerry, come on, man. What are you doing? You don't even get it yet. You'll get it, though. You'll get it. You'll get the call I have on your life. You'll see it. You'll not run from it at some point. So I think Noah would say, be faith crazy. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be afraid. See, I love our church because in the middle of a pandemic, we opened a coffee shop. Everything else is closing. God said, open a coffee shop. So we go open a coffee shop. God says, brings people into our midst and says, I want you to, to buy this old building over on the bypass. There's a boxing gym. And, and when the inspector comes and he says, what are y'all doing? Why are you buying this? Are y'all crazy? Because it looks like a mess. I mean, it's stuff everywhere outside. The apartments are just a disaster underneath. And, and God said, I want to breathe life into that place and love that neighborhood through that place. Like you, It's time to build an ark on some dry ground. And God is calling you in your life to build arcs on dry ground, to do things that don't make sense to the physical, to make sense to your friends that don't love Jesus or know Jesus, to do things and be confident in them. And here's what he's really asking. Just real quick, real quick recap. By faith, Abel fixed his why. 
Enoch lived with expectation, and Noah looked crazy, so get ready to look crazy. Here's what he's really asking. There's a story about, um, uh, about this tightrope walker from the 1800s. His name was Charles Blondin, and, and, and he, wanted to do, he wanted to be the first guy to ever walk a tightrope across Niagara Falls. Like, that was his dream. I, I want to do that. And so he goes up there. He sets the whole thing up, schedules it. He makes flyers. He goes out and invites everybody in the community and, and says, hey, you need to come out and watch me. I'm going to walk across this tightrope across Niagara Falls. Like, if he doesn't make it, it's not like, well, he didn't make it, try again. It's like, he didn't make it. <laughs> All right? And so he gets them, like thousands of people show up, and, and, and he's getting ready to do it, and he's really good at what he does. So he plays with their mind a little bit, uh, you know, like, uh, 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 you know, they call it sandbagging or whatever. Like, he acts like he's not that good. Uh, so he gets on the tightrope and he's acting like he's falling and he like hobbles and acts like he barely makes it across. And everybody's watching on the edge of the seat like, is he going to die? Is he going to die? He's going to die. You know, is he going to die? He might die. And he gets across the other side and everybody just erupts and everybody's cheering him on. And so he just turns around and walks like so easy back to the other side. And they're like, hey, what? He can, he can do this. And so then he grabs a chair Walks back out to the middle, sets it down, and sits on the chair on this tightrope over the Niagara Falls. He walks all the way over. He brings a desk out, sits down, has like a cup of lemonade or something. I mean, this is like crazy stuff. He's that good at it. And he gets back over to the big crowd, and he's gone back and forth five or six times, and he's yelling to the crowd, y'all believe I can do it? They're like, yeah, we believe you can do it. And he pulls out a wheelbarrow. He says, you think I can push this wheelbarrow across the tightrope? Yeah, you can do it. You can do it, Charles. And he looks at one guy and says, hey, you think I, I can push this wheelbarrow across the tightrope? And the guy's like, yeah, I mean, I've seen everything else you've done. I believe you can do it. Get in. <laughs> Get in the wheelbarrow. He said, no, <laughs> I'm not getting in the wheelbarrow. Some of y'all at that point with Jesus right now, he's asking you, believe him? Like, yeah, I believe in you. Tell your friends. Go pray. Put your whole life on me. Get in the wheel. Like, see, when you go all in on Jesus, there's nothing you can do. You get in the wheelbarrow, he's pushing it, he's carrying it. Like, and you, what are you doing? You're so grateful that he's pushing the wheelbarrow and not you. That he did all the work that you can't do, you can never do. You put your trust in him. And so his manager was like, I won't get in the wheelbarrow, but he climbs on his back. And Charles carries across this morning my heart's desire is for you to go beyond just believing thinking something but to take the action the step that demonstrates you've put your whole life in his hands Simply through faith. 
Let's pray. God, thank you. That is by faith we are saved, not by works. That it's your grace that saves us even when we don't deserve it. Thank you for inviting us, calling us to you. God, thank you for the Holy Spirit that speaks into our heart and says, just lay down your burdens, just trust me. Just lay it all down right now, today, don't wait. Stop carrying it, stop worrying, stop living in anxiety and wondering if you've done enough or, or, or if you've pleased God. Like, just believe who I am, put your trust in me, and be faith crazy. God, we, thankful, we are thankful today that we're going to have a baptism here in a minute that celebrates the truth that you don't have to be at an altar, you don't even have to be with a preacher, that you can get saved in a dugout on Serve Sunday. God, today I pray two things. Anybody here that has not got in the wheelbarrow with you, that they would just give their life to you. Two, for those of us that are in the wheelbarrow and keep trying to get out and walk the tightrope ourselves, that we would just put our faith wholly on you, that we would be completely uh, and all in with our heart and our motivations. We would check them and say, why am I serving you? Why am I here? Why am I doing what I'm doing? That, that, that we could be like Enoch, that we would just live with the expectation that if you spoke it, it is and will be. I pray that we could not be afraid to look crazy. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.